Podcast. Here tonight with Tyre Hood, Tanner Gilmartin, Chris Stacker. I'm your host, Max Kretzel. It's great to be with everybody again tonight. Hope everybody's being safe and, uh, you know, staying inside, wearing masks, as we all hope you are. And, uh, guys, tonight, a ton of topics to get to. Start with the NFL, Jamal what Adams. What the hell is going on? He gets traded to the Seattle Seahawks, which we expected a trade to the Seahawks. Mm, I'm not so sure about that. That probably wasn't my first choice. Um, another thing in the NFL news that recently came out, Antonio Brown's officially suspended eight games by the NFL. So now teams can, uh, you know, weigh their options as far as do they want to sign Antonio Brown and possibly deal with the headache. But, you know, his on-field production um, does equal that out somewhat. So we'll see what happens with him. And Man, that's uh, good, Chris. Carson Wentz, not on the top 100 list in the NFL players. NFL players voted they think Wentz is not a top 100 player. It's ridiculous. I'm sure all of us on this panel have something to say about that. So uh, moving on here, um, the situation going on, the Miami Marlins having an outbreak with their team, Cardinals coming out today. They have two members of their team testing positive for the virus. And, and uh, you know, how this virus affects the Philly situation, especially the last week, you know, with us not having played a single game since Sunday afternoon against the Marlins. So, um, when the Phillies will play again, we don't know. Um, we just hope it's soon. We we hope that you know the season can continue, and hopefully, you know Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, and those guys can get back out there because all of us are so excited for the start of the season, and it was finally here. And to only see three games thus far is pretty frustrating. So I'm sick of we'll it. Touch on some fills, and then lastly, we'll touch on the NBA restarting last night. Kawhi Leonard against LeBron, big matchup. Uh, Lakers get the W in the end, but it was a hard-fought game. Definitely it's about a damn playoff, time. playoff atmosphere type feel to it. So we'll touch on that and the Sixers restart and what tomorrow night's game means for the Sixers. You know, you got to get out to a good start, play the Indian Pacers, and, uh, you know, quick stretch of games here before the playoffs. So we got to get, um, you know, revved up for the playoffs because um, Ooh, you know, yeah. basketball is a diff- different atmosphere, and you got to have that mentality of, uh, you know, aggressive mindset going into the playoffs and have that mentality of, like, I'm better than you, you know, in your head thinking that. So I'm going to say a hot take again at the end of the show. I'm not going to tell you guys what it is right now because <sighs> it's a hot take. Um, and it's weird because the Sixers – it's about the Sixers, and they come back tomorrow night. And uh, I just want to throw this out there. Uh, people didn't agree with my hot take last week about Patrick Mahomes, but hopefully they changed their mind this week. I actually think, Tanner, you said not a single person agreed with my hot take last week about uh, a bad contract. There, there was one person that uh, hung on with you for a little bit. <laughs> All right. I respect it. I respect it. You All right, guys, let's roll into this. Let's, let, let's roll into it. Jamal Adams to the Seahawks. Um, first reaction when you found out, T, that Jamal Adams gets traded, was it too much of a price for the Jets to pay or, or for the Seahawks to pay, excuse me, or not? Well, I didn't find out about the details until a little later on uh, when the details finally did come out. So at first I was disappointed. I'm like, damn, that have been nice. I'd rather have him over Jalen Mills. But then when the details came out, two first rounders and um, a fourth was involved and all in all these different assets. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. That's a little much. Um, even for a safety, as good as Jamal Adams is, that's that's a hefty price. Now, of course, the Seahawks, being who the Seahawks is, and they want to dominate on a defensive front. Of course, they're going to pay; they're willing to pay that price. Um, however, um, just a little too rich for my blood. Just a little too rich for my blood. Mm-hmm. Even though Jamal Adams isn't all pro, um, in my opinion, um, one of the top three safeties in the NFL today. Probably the closest thing you're going to see to Brian Dawkins on the field, and that's high praise coming from me. 
But yeah, totally agree. I totally agree with you. That so, um, Tanner, yeah. Right, go ahead, Dick. Go ahead. You got no, no, no. I was just going. I was just going to say that that price tag was just a little too high for me. Yeah. Yeah, Tanner. Real quick before we roll on here. Well, just like T, I didn't find out the details until a little later. But my very first reaction was, "Wow, the Seahawks are a much better team." Um, this is a team that has stuck around. They're on the. They're a top team um, mm. every year. They have a top three quarterback. They're a really dangerous team, and we know it um, too good because we faced them twice uh, this last season, and it didn't end well both times. And this is a really good team, and now they're an even better team with Jamal Adams. I think there's still some positions they need to approve on, but this is no doubt a playoff team. Um, and hopefully you know, everyone's playing uh, on the team and they have a, a better shot. You know, the Seahawks, a team that I respect the Seahawks. I don't have any bad blood against the Seahawks. And yeah. that, yeah, yeah. like T. Right. We know it's I hard. Find out, I find out what the Seahawks gave uh, to the Jets for Jamal Adams. And it does seem like it's a little more than they should have given. Uh, they, they could have went for Yannick from the Jaguars, maybe seen what they would have taken for him. Uh, but they, they gave, as T mentioned, they gave uh, a 2021 and 2022 first-round pick. And then they gave a uh, third-round pick in 2021 and a safety. Yeah, Chris, you know we you know they have Russell Wilson, arguably uh, one of the better quarterbacks in the league. We all know that. Uh, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett on the outside. Chris Carson um, there in the backfield, now adding Jamal Adams. Uh, how much of a Super Bowl contender, you know, how big of a shot does Seattle have to, to win the whole thing, not just in the NFC and come out of the NFC, but to win the whole Super Bowl? You know, uh, I mean, I know T and Tanner said they don't really like how much the Seahawks gave up for uh, for Jamal Adams. Uh, they they were good before Jamal Adams was there. And, you know, with J- Jamal Adams is going to finally have this opportunity to play with good players around him. Uh, and I think that just makes the Seattle Seahawks in general just a much scarier team. And I agree with I agree with Tanner. They are definitely a playoff team. Uh, in my opinion, the best team in the NFC East. And uh, I don't I don't know about all the way because when you look at the AFC, you, you know you got Kansas City, you got Baltimore, you got a lot of good teams over there. Yeah. Uh, I definitely think they do have a good chance of being one of the final two teams by the end of the next football season. Yeah, I agree 100 with you 100% on this one. I think, yeah, the price tag was high, but listen, you know, Seattle's in win-now mode. Russell Wilson now basically in his prime. Um, and if you add a player like Adams, which they did, and then if you can also on top of that resign to Devion Clowney, you're looking at a powerhouse right there on both sides of the football. And if they can uh, – you know, the NFC, in my opinion, is a tougher conference, you know, uh, especially last year. A lot of good teams, the Packers, obviously had home field against Seattle and knocked them out last year before getting beaten by – uh, San Fran, but this year I think uh, Green Bay takes a step back, and I think Seattle on paper is a better football team than San Fran at this moment. You know, Debo Samuel's banged up at, as of right now. Uh, deal with an injury. We'll see where he's at uh, when the season rolls around, but I think right now, um, you got to go for it. You know, you add a big player like that to your defensive secondary, you can re-sign Jadeveon Clowney, uh, add him back to your line, and then have that offense, and right now, the only quarterback in the league that can compete physically and mentally um, com- combination of both with Patrick Mahomes could be Russell Wilson. You know, Lamar probably not there yet mentally, but he, he obviously has a skill set on the with his wheels on the ground. Um, but as far as a, a mental game and also having the arm strength and the leadership skills um, that Mahomes has, Wilson's right there. So 
Um, it'll be interesting how it plays out. But I think I definitely think it's a good deal. Yeah, it was a big price tag, but Chris, I'm with you. Um, definitely could be worth it, um, especially this season, um, as long as you know Seattle can remain healthy and get uh, deep into the playoffs. So I think they have a legit shot to win the Super Bowl now. Um, yeah, don't, and let's move. Don't get me wrong. Sorry. I'm sure T is on the same page here. Uh, Jamal Adams is a great player. No a doubt. Top top player no at doubt. this position specifically and a player who has been closely uh compared to brian dawkins so i agree it's a great move for the seahawks i just think maybe they could have reworked the deal a little better in their favor mm. yeah listen i i think i think you're right I, um i think from a seattle seahawks perspective uh, they wanted adams you know badly right they they, they, they obviously had communication back and forth and once the Jets finally said, yes, we'll do that deal, I think, you know, Seattle went and uh, went and pulled the plug on it. You know, they, they or pulled the trigger, I guess, in this case. Right. But um, you're right, though. If they weren't, like, 100%, okay, Adams, let's nitpick here. Um, I'm sure they probably could have knocked it down a little bit. I mean, think about this. I mean, Adams mm-hmm. came out last week, um, called out head coach Adam Gase. Yeah. Um, and, you know, at that point, every team in the league knows, like, Adams is a problem in New York. He wants out. So automatically off the bat, that puts the Jets in a bad situation. You know, this guy's this, they have no leverage, right? This guy wants out in New York. Mm-hmm. And I see your point. Definitely. Like the Jets have no leverage. Um, the CLCLs could easily try to lowball the Jets a little bit, which I don't think they did in this case. The right. thing, the thing that I think happened with the Seahawks is they already, as you mentioned, they had this planned out already. They knew that they wanted Jamal Adams and the trade was almost final before Jamal Adams made these comments, and it didn't really affect the trade. But, however, I think if they would have waited a little longer on the decision to trade for Jamal Adams, I think his price would have went down. Uh, Seeing what he was saying, ripping apart a whole franchise, uh, then you have teams thinking, well, he could do that to us. Right, exactly. Which is the reason why I think that his value was, honestly, it should not have taken that much to move him. Due to the simple fact that now, you know, you come up with those things. Now you're labeled as a problem player, you know, regardless of how you feel about the franchise, regardless of how bad that franchise is, that's still a bad look on the player. So, you know, still, I just think that I think all the all the teams that were involved that wanted Jamal Adams, I think they did give the Jets lowball offers and the Seahawks were pretty much the only team that came in and was like, oh, yeah, 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 well. Give you whatever you want. Open up the checkbook. That's a good point, too. But here's the thing. Now, from a New York Jets perspective, I mean, this is a team that's been in turmoil for years now. Um, Ever since the infamous butt fumble by Mark Sanchez, I mean, this team really hasn't done much. And now you're really relying on Sam Darnold to take a step forward this year. I mean, if Sam Darnold doesn't take a step forward, GM uh, ownership now, um, you know, they're really in hot water as far as ownership not knowing you know where to take the next step from here on the field from a, on the field perspective with the players um head coach adam gase who you know didn't have much success in miami comes into new york situation obviously i don't think he was a big fan of Le'Veon bell signing Le'Veon bell then comes out and says you know what happened jamal you know i'm paraphrasing here but you know he recruited you know Le'Veon to join the jets and then you know the season after Le'Veon gets there you know he's out so um right when jets are trying to you know move forward here and build around their key players their best player literally, you know, once out and now is gone. So yeah. Sam Darnold had a lot on the shoulders this season. Le'Veon Bell is getting towards the end of his career as far as being a top player. I mean, right. he'll still be around as long as he's healthy. But as far as being a superstar, star player in this league, he's coming down to the back years now. They did draft Denzel Mims, who's promising on the outside. But 
Sam Darnold is yeah. the key to this organization. You know, right. He's kind of the same type of player. That has those turnover issues next year because he did have turnover issues last year as far as throwing a lot of picks. But if he has that same problem this year and you don't see a lot of progression, um, I mean, the, the Jets don't really have much hope after that. Right. Yeah, I, I have no hope for the uh, for the Jets. And when you mentioned the newest wide receiver on the Jets, me and, me and T kind of made a face because he, he came out and said that he did not want to be a part of this this trash team or this trash city. So it didn't sit well for us. And now all eyes will be on him from an Eagles fan perspective to see how he does. And back to the Jets, I, I really – I have no hope for the Jets. Nope. And for me, I feel like they could have made a few different choices – for head coach and they went with Adam Gase and that started off uh, headline wise when Adam Gase was uh, making weird looks and it's just, it's just a show for us to watch how these jets um, make decisions. And I feel what is going on back there. That's exactly probably what Adam Gase was thinking to himself. (laughs) Uh, But I, I do give the jets fans maybe a card to uh, bandwagon onto another team for, for one or two more seasons until they start getting their uh, getting their stuff together and go back to Jets football. Yeah, that's the problem, T. And I think we can all agree with this. As a, yeah. From a Jets perspective with this deal, they really don't have much to look forward to. I mean, they no. got a quarterback who is a question mark. Um, they got a running back who uh, is a diva, in my opinion, to use a key word there. I mean, he's kind of, you know, I feel like he doesn't give 100% at least this past season. You know, he does get volume. You know, he obviously gets forced fed the football. But I feel like when things don't go his way, he kind of backs down and not that, not that he quits on the team, but you know doesn't give a full effort. And then you look on the defensive side of the ball, you lose your best player. They don't have really have much. I mean, yeah, they right. did uh, give a lot of money to C.J. Mosley, the linebacker. But after that, you know, you don't really have any skill players on this team at all. And then where do you look at that? You know, after that, where do you look to? You know, you don't have players on the field. Okay, then we look to the head coach. Do we at least have a leader in place to lead these guys? Adam Gase is a big question mark. You know, like you said, Tanner, when he comes out, it, it, the whole team seems like a meme from day yeah. one yep. when he yep. has those those exactly. eye with those weird eye motions. And, yeah. and then you Something's look to ownership. I mean, the whole ladder and the whole chain of, the, uh, you know. And the smelling people. salt. <laughs> yeah, it's just not a good situation. But they did get a haul back. So if they can hit them in draft picks next year, yeah. you know, we'll see. They can possibly turn it around. So let's roll on here let's go antonio brown a guy that who has not been in the news lately i think he literally said a few days ago he wants to retire yeah. um and now all of a sudden maybe not he retract again so who knows where this guy's head's at on a daily basis what's but, he here know, for from a news in the nfl's per- perspective we'll keep it at that you know eight game suspension who knows what what the, what the, what the deal is anymore i mean kareem hunt gets suspended you know what do you get eight ten games i mean we don't really know what the going rate is for what do you what do you have to do to get suspended a certain amount of games. But you know, at the end of the day, listen, eight games, that's what it is. Uh, who is uh, to start off because we can go multiple directions with this topic. Any team out there that you guys look to right now and say, okay, this team's going to take a flyer on AB. Hmm. Why Bucks. not the Seahawks? Why not the Seahawks? Yeah, I mean, listen, you're you're not going to get an argument from me just because you know I just in my last point, you know, saying this could be their year to really go for it. Um, and again, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But yeah, you know, we still know he's talented. I mean, yeah, he's a little bit past his prime. But I'd say what from an Eagles perspective and as an Eagles fan, I don't think we don't want any parts of Antonio. There, Brown. There's just a lot of drama behind Antonio Brown, as you mentioned a few days ago. Uh, he goes to Twitter, Instagram, and says that he's retiring again. All right, no one really cares at this point. Because, We've heard that before. Yeah, exactly. It's just uh, AB being AB. He posts whatever. Oh, you piece he of wants. Swiss cheese. 
and it, it just goes back. It seems like it happened out of nowhere. Uh, Antonio Brown, top wide receiver in the league. Um, and then all of a sudden in the summer, he uh, posts stuff that he doesn't want to be on the Steelers anymore. Why don't you trade me? Uh, so he, he gets his wish. He gets out of Pittsburgh. Um, and then he gets a deal. He joins the Raiders. For, it, w- it was a good deal. Uh, everyone's excited to see him play on a new team. Uh, maybe it was Ben Roethlisberger that causes problems. Mike Tomlin. Nope. It might have been uh, Antonio Brown in control of all these problems that happened because he joins the Jets but doesn't get to play one season game. He barely he doesn't play in the preseason. Um, he he may have played I think he played a couple plays, but um, during Hard Knocks we were watching all this drama unfold. He would show up, he wouldn't show up, and then he says he wants to play with his old helmet. The NFL says no, so he he throws a, a fit and then he leaves practice early. Then he. Yeah. He freezes his feet. Uh, he gets uh, freezer burn on his foot or whatever whatever happened with that. Um, and then so he records a conversation with Gruden and he, he posts that on Instagram or Snapchat, wherever that goes. So mm-hmm. he, he gets his wish with that. He just had to wait two more days and he would have received 20 plus million dollars two days not to post anything on Twitter or Instagram, and that's 20-plus million. But instead, Man, that's ludicrous. he gets released by the Raiders. He celebrates as if he won. He celebrates. He says, uh, Grandma. Hallelujah. He runs outside. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And then he joins the Pats um, on a, for a this game. For a little bit, he joins the Pats. It's stupid. On a one-year deal worth $15 million, $9 million signing bonus that he was supposed to get paid in installments. I don't know how that worth five million by a certain day, and then four million by a, a certain day uh, a month later. But then a sexual assault allegation comes in. He plays one game for the Patriots. Uh, he, he plays he plays pretty well, um, to mention. And then a second uh, sexual assault uh, assault allegation is brought up, and then he's dropped by Nike. He then threatens the victim via text with all the evidence already left on there, then the Patriots have enough of his nonsense. They release him two weeks after signing. Um, he insults Patriots, the Raiders, uh, says he won't be playing in the NFL anymore. Then he retires. Uh, then he re-enrolls in college. And then a few days after that, asks someone to write his paper for him. You dumbass. <laughs> on social media. And that I don't know what happened with his college. He, they, I'm sure he got in trouble by his college. Um, then he posts a picture asking some, yeah. And then he wants to play. He posts all these pictures apologizing to organizations, the Steelers, the Raiders, the Patriots. Thanks, Bill Belichick, for giving him a chance. What and the f- is that? He misses out on the rest of this <laughs> past season. Now jump forward to July 21st. He was saying he was retiring. Now today we find out he's suspended eight games no matter if he's signed or not so teams could wait these eight games and yep. then sign antonio brown or if they feel like the market is really looking forward to antonio brown they grab him then he's sitting on their bench for eight weeks i don't know how that's gonna go <sighs> yeah to Jay, entertain or, your go ahead no go ahead chris to, to entertain your question uh you know i just want to preface with what i'm gonna say with i don't think antonio brown's playing another nfl game ever mm. Because uh, I don't think any of the team, any team, is going to look at an eight-game suspension and think, "Well, by week nine, thank God we'll have Antonio Brown." But uh, 
I don't know. I was just, as Tanner was given all that, I was just really sitting here thinking who could use a wide receiver. And, you know, I think it'd be interesting to see him on the Houston Texans. They don't mm. have DeAndre Hopkins anymore. And what's Deshaun Watson's number one wide receiver? What, Kenny Stills? Like, yeah, Will Fuller. Will Fuller, yeah. Bill O'Brien's over there. He, he you know, we, we've seen what he can do trading. So, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he, he takes a chan- a shot on Antonio Brown. But we did mention a team that I think would be just making the story even better. Antonio Brown of the Jets. That would just be another meme. <laughs> Next mention, this whole team is just a meme. Uh, I don't think it's really realistic. But Antonio up there. Would be, on the Jets would be something that – yeah, listen, to T, I'll let you go. Right. I just really have a simple point on this. I want to point out something here. You know, as a fan of ball, as we all are, we look at AB and we know how great of a player he is. But one thing that I really wish I paid more attention to was the original deal with him in Pittsburgh. You know, literally Pittsburgh wanted this guy gone as a fan base, as, you know, a community. We didn't know what the deal was. You know, why would Pittsburgh want him? We didn't really know the behind-the-scenes stuff. Then the red flag we see – a third and a fifth rounder. I mean, listen, we had a guy with Antonio Brown's talent being traded for a third and a fifth round pick. I, it didn't raise any break flags to me at the time, but it should have. Because, mm-hmm. look, you got guys like Adams, you know, yesterday, goes for two first rounders. And then you have Antonio Brown going for a third and a fifth. Like, I, I don't know why it didn't, like, a light bulb didn't go off in my head. Like, wow, okay, something yeah. is going on here deep down. But uh, it should have. You know, it should have been a light bulb go off. That's just the Steelers saying, get out of here, kick rocks. We don't want <laughs> you anymore. We're causing problems. Both. We didn't know what the – we you know, like, we knew there was something. We just mm-hmm. didn't know how deep or how, how big of a problem he actually was. Now, mind you, know, you the- both two players are high-caliber players. You know, both guys are difference makers on teams. Exactly. And one player goes for – goes and gets traded for two first rounds and still clowns the team. Clowns the team, and the team that trades him still gets two first rounds. The other guy, you know, is basically a clown himself, but we don't know anything about it until after he gets traded. And then, and we talked about this, he only gets traded for a third and fifth round, and we're sitting there going, well, damn, that's a hell of a deal. Shoot, third and the yeah. fifth rounder? Antonio yeah, was Brown? Like, oh, the Raiders, man. They really made out well. Like, how, how did they pull that one off? That was a hell of a sudden? steal. Then you're like, oh, oh, okay. You look deeper, yeah. and it's like, wow. It's a shame because this is a guy who could still be a Hall of Fame wide receiver, uh, a guy who we were seeing. He, at the point that he was playing on the Steelers, he was on path to be one of the greatest wide receivers that we've ever seen. I'm talking before us, too, that they've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And Sonio Brown... It's a shame that his – I don't know what happened. His personality or something just took over, and it, it really ruined his chances. But I still do see him uh, being maybe in the Hall of Fame. I think there's still a shot. I don't know how that works. I don't know if uh, if he's just eliminated from the ballot uh, for the things that he said. Well, I guess the good news is he hasn't really, like, said anything too bad about too the bad. commissioner. Right. So, like, right. he's got but, that in his back pocket. I yeah, guess. he – He's a seven-time Pro Bowler, uh, four-time All-Pro, and he he's a great wide receiver, but not a great personality. No, I guess what I, what I'm trying to get at, and I mean, it, listen, it's a shame. None of us had a problem with Antonio Brown for the first five, uh, right. I guess maybe six years of his career at Pittsburgh. 
this call just kind of popped up. It all popped. It all popped up after that playoff, or it was a playoff, or was it a regular yeah, season no, win they against? Yeah, they were. They were figuring the out. If they were, yeah, yeah, yeah. With Mike Tom recorded Mike Tomlin, like that's how this thing all started. And I don't even think, you know, I don't think in AB's head it was that big of a deal. Like I feel like if if you know it didn't get brought up so much in the media that it wouldn't have been a big problem. And maybe we're sitting here talking about a whole different situation with Antonio Brown today if that doesn't get blown up as much as it did. You know, if Mike Tomlin sits down and says, "Hey, people make mistakes. It's not a big deal." But, you know, the heat, people really went after A.B. for that, and understandably so. I mean, you know, you don't want recordings going on in the locker room, especially with coaches. But um, it could be way different if he uh, if that wasn't, um, you know, caught out in the media by uh, big companies like that and put on national TV. You make me um, sick. Let's roll into this last topic for football here, and Wentz being not on the top 100 list. I don't really uh, – I don't really – I'm not a huge fan Give of these people lists what they here by see. the players. Um and I looked at the list, you know, I'm checking it out, and there's things I agree with, things I don't agree with, just like every other list that comes out that's not our own opinions. Um, and I didn't really have, like, whatever, like, it's not a big thing to me. I know how talented Wentz is when he's healthy. Um, but then the thing that catches my eye right towards the very end of that list, you know, I'm looking at, like, players. I'm like, okay, this player deserves, this player deserves. Being. And then I'm like, you know what, why am I looking at players? I need to look at quarterbacks specifically to see what quarterbacks made it over. You're gonna say, Max. No, and boy. we see Kyler Murray. Yep. Kyler Murray ahead of Wentz. And that's just like that my eyes lit up. I was like, this list really has Kyler Murray on the Arizona Cardinals offense last year who <laughs> didn't do squat. And then you have yeah. Wentz with a bunch of trash bags, you know, dragging <laughs> our team. Literally single handedly well, I'll, I'll chip in Miles Sanders. Literally almost single handedly taking our team it's funny to me too and winning the division and i was like you know what i just i'm like i'm done with this list like i'm just completely done with it i don't agree with it i think wentz is better than kyler murray with one knee he doesn't need two knees he just needs one (laughs) and uh i just think it's ridiculous carson wentz is a top 100 player hands down and on top of this my last point about it how do you go from being number three or whatever he was the previous year and now he's not even in the top 100 like how did your opinion sway change that much Here's the part that gets me. Here's the part that, p- that pisses me off. How Ryan damn Tannehill make the list at number 68? Ryan yeah. Tannehill. Yeah, Derek Derek, Derek <laughs> well, yeah, but Derek Henry making him, made him look nah, good. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. So so higher up in the list, it was Derek Tannehill, and then later on it was Ryan uh, or, or Ryan Henry. So you kind of combine them because whatever Tannehill does and all Tannehill's <laughs> success – you got to have Henry's name in there somewhere because literally it was the Derrick Henry show. That's what I'm saying. Last year. But that's exactly what Derrick. I'm saying. So Ryan, so why is Ryan Tannehill? Go ahead. He's on the top 100 list twice. <laughs> wow. And then you put Dak Prescott in there. Dak Prescott didn't even take the Cowboys to the playoffs. Like yeah, you said. Dak Prescott, literally, we, we brought this up to a couple weeks ago, had the opportunity to go into the link and win that playoff game. Right. Or win that playoff game, win the game in that playoff type atmosphere, basically a playoff game, so to speak. But – couldn't couldn't do it. One still yeah. got the job done. And, and How do you have? I mean, you can't have Dak ahead of Wentz. And for, at, at one point, the Cowboys are three or five games ahead of the Eagles, and Dak Prescott just now he's on the list, but he loses that lead from us, and then right. he loses the playoffs to us. And then on top of that, like to make matters worse, so I, I continue watching this stupid list because at this point, I'm 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 heated. I'm PO'd. 
I, if I was a Kansas City Chiefs fan, I, I kid you not. Whoever makes up this list, straight up, I'm I'm going to help them deliver to asses. I, number one, Lamar Jackson. Are you flipping kidding me? <laughs> not to say that he did not have a magnificent season because he did. I think he did deserve to be at least in the top ten, top fifteen. No, no debate. Any However, list that doesn't have Pat Mahomes number one. Yes, Patrick stinking Mahomes. Come on. Uh, we can think how different this list would be if it was voted on by fans um, and not just players. But I th- voted by peers is different because these guys know the personality and they know what skill. So I feel like this was more of a popularity contest. It is. It's yeah, a pop- gotta, I got to admit, Lamar did have some funny post-game interviews this past season. You know, yeah. He's got a good personality, so there, there could be that. Plus, well, you know, maybe a lot of the players were like, God damn, we can't beat Mahomes the whole season. Like, yeah. let me just vote this guy like fifth, for example. Like, why not? Yeah. Let me let me backtrack and and put my opinion in on this list and what I when I heard uh, of of who was left off. It, the NFL unveiled it. I, I believe the last section was mm-hmm. out Wednesday. I, yeah. I think. Yep. I know what you're talking um, about. And as you can see, it it, sh- it shocked us that uh, we didn't see. Our guy there on the list, they, they, they had to have made a mistake. Uh, you're telling me, as Max mentioned, a guy who took his team to the playoffs with, as Max mentioned, trash cans, guys who were off the couch. These guys, a few weeks before, were eating potato chips, watching uh, Good Morning Football. <laughs> they, they didn't know what was going on. They had no, pads, no jersey, no helmet. And... It's just, you see, guy. I, actually, I have an autographed football by the guy they left off, Carson Wentz, our guy, and this list is faulty because also a guy who we had, we had Carson Wentz, some of us in our top five when we did the NFC quarterbacks and top right. ten in the entire NFL, but a guy who Max had in the top five of his quarterbacks that surprised us, I believe he was at number five in the NFC, was Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. He's left off this list as well. Yep. Listen, I and I'm a big fan of Matt Ryan. I think he's gonna have a great season this upcoming year too. Um, but again, this list is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, flat out. I mean, that's all I can really say about it. It's it's ridiculous. Another guy I'll name, Josh Allen. Like, yeah, okay, Josh Allen. You know, he, he went to he made the playoffs. I guess he should have won the game in Houston. I mean, Deshaun Watson. Yeah, he had some magic there towards the end. But Josh Allen gets the job done with his legs. He's got a rocket arm, but he has no accuracy. I'll tell you what, this is ridiculous. And I, I watched a video of Skip Bayless mentioning the quarterbacks who were left off above Carson Wentz, and one of his quarterbacks was Baker Mayfield. You want to know another one? Matt Stafford. Like, Matt Stafford, what? Don't mention the, Yeah, don't mention these guys above Carson Wentz. There's a lot of disrespect towards Carson Wentz, and I think this is, this is a blessing in disguise. Yeah. Because Carson Wentz, I saw him walking in, to the Eagles facility the other day. This guy has obviously been lifting weights. Uh, he's clearing his mind. He's been hunting. He has a child now. Uh, <laughs> his play is going to be a lot different yeah. than Teague play the soundbite of the hey. week back. Hey, Whatever. man, uh, that, that back is going to be strong, man. Whatever. Did y'all Whatever. see the picture like, that he had? It looks That's like that saying. man's back has improved. That's it looks like he is stronger than ever. It's a shame. It's a shame that the world is at a point where it is now where we're uncertain if there will be an NFL season 
and how they'll do things like that. We, we've seen how other leagues are faring, and we'll get into that in a second. Mm-hmm. But it's just a, a blessing in disguise because I think Carson Wentz, this will make him more motivated. Already you have uh, – you have it going against him and Marquise Goodwin not playing this season. Mm-hmm. He's down a uh, top wide receiver that we were excited on the team that yep. we were excited to see play. And we have Deshaun Jackson, who we don't quite know. I think his punishments uh, have already been handled, but yeah. we don't know if he'll, he'll be internally. Yeah. yeah, they've been handled internally. Now, Sean Jeffrey, uh, we don't know if he'll be motivated to play. I saw him going into the facility. He didn't look too happy, in my opinion. And they put what? him on the active list, I believe. Yeah, so he can't play until after uh, week six. You know what? I'm sick of Alshon Jeff. <laughs> you know, what does that guy have to complain about? What's he like, here for? What like what does this guy's problem? Like, what do you mean he can't you can't work with Wentz? Like it's about winning a Super Bowl, right? Yeah, okay. You want to get freaking 150 targets and hundred catches, fine. But you know what? If you go four and twelve, it doesn't mean anything. Like, hate, you got to spread the ball around and, and right. get guys opportunities. You know what? You know what I have to say to Alshon Jeffrey? If you don't like playing with Carson Wentz, I know you like playing with Foles. Go back to the Bears and play with Foles. <laughs> yeah, <they're bad. laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Jay Cutler used to be there. What, do you want to go back yeah. to Jay Cutler in, in Chicago? Yeah. I don't think so. You got, a, you got a quarterback battle of Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles. Go have fun in Chicago. Get yeah. the f- Jeffrey's been kind of in hot on hot water or in hot water for me lately. I mean, I'm not, I've never been really a huge fan of him. I mean, yeah, he he did have a good season or two with us, but he's caused more headaches lately than yeah. uh, good production on the football field. Well, I, mean, I got I got a question too. for you guys. Um, this T T yeah. don't don't yell too soon, but oh, um, would you guys have knowing what would happen in the future? Would you guys? You're have not kept about Nelson to say Aguilar. No. Hell no. no? You wouldn't have given uh, him an, so. yet another shot. No. How about you, Chris? Get. No. no. I'll tell you one thing here. I'll, I will, I'll give you this, Andrew. I'll give you this. If Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar played the same position, if they both played the slot, yeah, I'd rather have Nelson Aguilar and Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll put up with yeah, Alshon's attitude. See, I know you'll put up with the attitude, but either way, you're not in a good spot. I mean, I'm no. not going out there like, yeah. Yeah, Alshon Jeffrey, yeah. yeah. You know, he's, Do you think Carson Wentz going out there and like, yeah, I'm going to throw all these to Alshon Jeffrey now? <laughs> No. Yeah, but at and, least and, and another thing is, T, real quick before you go, okay. I think Ertz everybody was saying, Oh, he, he just targets Ertz, you know, Wentz all he wants to do is throw to Ertz. And then you look at the stats, that's not true at all. You know, nope. Wentz spread the ball around a lot. All I'm saying is, man, look, at least if I throw it to Alshon Jeffrey, eight times out of ten, I know he's gonna catch it. With Nelson Aguilar, that's fifty fifty. All right, that's like well, flipping a coin. Yeah, at least yeah. you know Nelson Aguilar is going to be on the field for 13, 14, 15 games. Alshon <laughs> might be there for four. Yeah, yeah, T, you mentioned he was catching every ball, and that really hurt me because I go back to the Saints game where he uh, let that ball go right through his fingers, and there Ever goes our uh, the playoff shots. Yeah. Do we know it's hard? Maybe because he got too uh, upset by all the people's social media just giving him a bunch of crap. Oh, yeah. For dropping that ball. Yeah, but well, tough. You're in Philly. That's a conversation. You're for, in the uh, NFL. You're in the day. highest stage in uh, in America. Deal with it. All right, guys. <laughs> let's move on here. Some baseball talk. It's been a while since we got into this. The Phillies season finally gets underway. We're all excited. Noel goes out and loses on opening night, but then Wheeler bounces back the next day. We're one and one. Everything's great. As all this is happening, as Phillies fans, we're like, oh, we just want to listen about the production of the field. But, you know, little key nuggets come out. 
each day. You know, this guy gets the virus for the Marlins. You know, uh, we we saw Jorge Alfaro, former Philly, opening weekend, opening night uh, for the Phillies, Friday night. He gets the coronavirus, goes on the IL. Uh, a few nights later, Garrett Cooper, uh, another player for the Marlins, has it, and then it snowballs from there. Um, we hear Wednesday uh, that the Phillies-Yankees game postponed, or excuse me, Monday we hear that the Phillies-Yankees game postponed. Tuesday, same thing. Then we find out the whole Yankees series postponed. And then we're thinking, okay, let's just get us to the Blue Jays series, even though the Blue Jays are a whole different topic. You know, they're they, them getting forced out of Canada, having to play somewhere in the U.S. And, uh, you know, we were supposed to have a doubleheader on Saturday, meaning tomorrow. What the hell is going on? And now that whole weekend is now shot. So yep. we all know the MLB here. We all love baseball. We all know MLB is trying to do right and make everything safe. Here's the problem. They don't have a bubble like the NBA or NHL does. And that's real cause for concern. There's a lot of travel. It's a lot of airplane miles. It's a lot of bus miles. It's a lot of hotel rooms. It's a, you know, it's a lot of contact on the field, even though that might be the number one, that might not be the number one reason why this is spreading. But listen, when you have an outbreak of like 18 out of 30 players on the team, and now with the St. Louis Cardinals today, two players testing positive, and the Phillies luckily haven't had any players test positive, but it's they ridiculous. do have staff members test positive. How, how if you're Rob Manfred, I love the Phillies. Obviously, my favorite sports baseball. You guys all know that. But how do you just how do you let this season go on? I mean, it's literally health. People have families here. There's lives at stake. Yeah, I'll tell you what. There, there's a huge mistake made um, between letting the Marlins play uh, that Sunday against us, the Phillies. That put everyone in mm-hmm. danger. Uh, there was a few players that that knew that they had uh, some symptoms that mm-hmm. still played. Uh, there's a group chat. Uh, of players saying that they weren't going to mention anything. It's just a bad mistake. And it goes back to, to a month ago where they were, they had players from the Dominican Republic coming in who weren't tested for the coronavirus. And then it comes back. There's like 30 of them tested positive and they were all on that one plane. And it's just a huge mess. And right now you, you have to set everything like what the NBA is doing a bubble because these you guys piece are of Swiss cheese from their houses. There's no set precautions, yep. really. It's kind of a mess, and it looks like they kind of just rushed this whole thing. Agree, hundred uh, percent. As go real, real quick, and I'll let you go back. But yeah. as like a fam, as a guy with a family or, or a wife at home, if if you're like Bryce or, or one of those guys, like me personally, I'd rather be in a bubble. You know, I don't want to bring it home to them every night right. if I'm if I'm playing at CBP or something like that. Like I want to just be in this bubble, have them be home, stay quarantined, be healthy. And, like, you know, I'm not putting them at risk. I can just be in this bubble, and, you know, we won't have to worry about virus spreading uh, from right. the outside. Right. Bryce Harper, he has a child at home, and his, I believe his wife is pregnant with it, with their second child. Yeah, yep. yeah it's, it's pretty it's pretty nerve-wracking to me, for me, honestly. And, you know, I don't want the season to be shut down, but I can completely understand why it would be. Uh, the last thing I want is anybody to test positive for this. I mean, even the Marlins, like, yeah, I know it, it sucks that the Marlins – uh, and the, the, were the team that played us, obviously, opening weekend. But, again, it's scary for them because 18 out of 30, I mean, geez. I mean, I'm hopefully they, they can all recover quickly. Um, but when you have an outbreak like this, I mean, how much is too much? You know, when is when is the rope finally cut? Like, what does this have to get to in order for this thing to get shut down? Because Rob Manfred came out and said, oh, you know, this is why we handled this well in the beginning. This is why we have a taxi squad. This is why we – expanded rosters for things like this to happen. But when you have literally a whole starting lineup of guys 
with this virus? How is it even competitive? How is it even fair? Because at that point, you're basically re- relying on minor leaguers to come out from their system. Like, you know, how much is too much, basically, is is the question that, that we're raising here. My beef is not only with the MLB, but with the Miami Marlins as well. Because if you guys remember on Sunday, um, the announcers were like, okay, well, four players, you know, all of a sudden they just were erased from the lineup. And we were all like, hmm, that's, that's odd. And the first thing I thought about, the very first thing I thought about, I was like, oh, my gosh. If these four players got the virus, I'm going to be so upset. Sure enough, why wasn't this reported before? Why? And then to come out and not say anything about it is the part that really frustrates me the most. This is not something that, you know, you can just poo-poo about. This is something serious. We're talking about people's lives at risk here, like you guys just said. Like, I'm sorry. This is ridiculous. And then, like you said, Rob Manafort comes out and basically says, oh, the the MLB is still going to be playing games. Can you? Come on now. Like, let's consider some things here. You got people's lives at risk here. People coming in contact with each other. Once again, these players have families. These are human beings for crying out loud. These are not machines. That's all I'm sick saying. That they, they actually had a group chat and they were like not even going to tell people about the right. symptoms. Like even if you don't want to put yourself, even if you don't care about your own health in that situation, like you're going out there and you're playing against another team. Those guys have families. They are yeah. going to go home to their wives and kids yep. and everything. You can't do You just can't put people's health in, in danger. Yeah. Unreal. And we and while we were playing, we made the Marlins seem like they were a top team in the league. But one thing I did like uh, going back to play wise when we were still playing baseball um, is the decision Joe Girardi made to replace Jay Bruce with Phil Gosselin in that in our first win of the season. It uh, it paid off, as as we all know, Phil Gosselin, it's a two run homer. And then that gives up the Phils the lead in the bottom of the sixth, and then goes ahead and steals the deal with another homer in the bottom of the eighth. Yeah, really good play from Phil Gosselin. Definitely didn't expect it. We saw, you know, I'm not going to say flashes, but yeah! we saw that he was a part of the team last year. You know, he didn't just fly under the radar. There was that bad right. that I definitely remember from Phil Gosselin yep. as far as be, being a pitch hitter off the bench or, you know, a double switch and maybe the seventh inning yeah. in, in the infield or outfield. But, I definitely like his production so far. Listen, we have only seen a really, really, really small sample size. But, I, listen, definitely from a right-handed side of the plate as a DH. Uh, I love the DH, by the way. I'm not gonna, I'm, I'll give my opinion on that maybe later. But uh, I do I, I do like the DH. I'm not going to dive too much into it. But, Tanner, I'll let you uh, continue on what you had to say. Yeah, this doesn't come as a surprise to the Phillies organization, the staff, and the coaches because uh, Phil Gosling, was a, he was a top player in spring training, uh, probably part one rather than two, but it, it doesn't come as a surprise. This guy is one that you want to keep on the roster. Yeah, I agree. I think Jay Bruce from the left side does give you a lot of power. Um, yeah. And I will say this, you know, I'm watching uh, – I've been watching some Mariners baseball lately, which is kind of strange. I know that – just just hear me out, hear me out. Uh, J.P. Crawford is having a really solid season so far for the Seattle Mariners. And I look back to the trade and, we, you know, the Gene Segura deal, getting him from Seattle, and now – just watching him over the weekend, and it's like, you know, man, if we had J.P. Crawford way younger here, and, you know, he looks pretty solid. Like, I don't I guess, I mean, either he just came into his own or the coaching staff worked with him out there in Seattle, but um, haven't liked what I've seen from Gene Segura through at least the opening weekend. Okay. How about uh, D.D.? He hits uh, two home runs in two games. Yeah, love D.D., and listen, I love the reason that he's here is literally Joe Girardi. If Joe Girardi's not the manager of the Phillies, we don't have D.D. Gregorius, so, you know, those two go hand-in-hand, which is awesome. But, yeah, I do love to see 
uh, DD um, in that lineup. I think him hitting fifth, probably a good spot for him. I think Reese being really, really patient early on has helped us at times, but it's also hurt us. I like to see him be a little more aggressive. He has walked a ton. I think he leads the league. Well, or before the season shut down, at least the opening weekend, he led the league in walks. I'm not sure uh, he, he does anymore. But we've seen him. I think he walked like three times in one game. Um, so I like to see him be just a little bit more aggressive because we, we need him to get on base, which he has been, but just a little bit more power. Um, and let- JT there. I mean, what do you guys think about the lineup? You know, I'm I do a McCutcheon leading off. He might be a little past his prime. We all know McClutchin. that, but still patient hitter. Um, when you we, we talked about this, um, you know, in the group chat uh, opening day about the lineup and our opinions on it. But do you, do you like JT? Like we talked about this last year too. Even do you like JT in cleanup in the cleanup spot? Do you like Bryce in third? Like, what do you guys think? Go ahead, Chris. Uh, well, I mean, w- with it only with them only playing three games, uh, I don't really think we saw what this uh, batting lineup can potentially uh, produce for the Phillies. Yeah, I agree. I like it. Uh, as far as JT in the clamp spot, in my opinion, he's probably the most reliable hitter in the lineup. So yeah. I love him there. Uh, and uh, like you said, Segura, I mean, Segura at times, like last year, I feel like he actually performed relatively well, especially in the first half of the season. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely in the second half, he really, his production really dropped. And uh, in those three games, he did not look good at all. And uh I mean, I know I'm kind of straying away from the conversation at hand, but as far as like the J.P. Crawford thing, I think they looked at Scott Kingery and J.P. Crawford, and I, I don't know why, but I think they just got in their heads that we can only keep one of these guys, and we feel that Kingery is a better presence at the plate because I, I remember yeah. J.P. Crawford kind of struggled at the plate. Struck out a lot. However, that was a big problem for him. However, he's great defensively, J.P. Yes. Crawford, in my opinion. And, That's uh, one thing I've seen from Scott. I don't know if you guys or Chris, you've seen it too. Scott Kingery just kind of struggling defense. Like, not that the plays I've seen him mess up or miss are, are easy plays, but I feel like those are plays Cesar, even though, you know, I wasn't a huge fan of, he may have possibly made. You know, I saw a play, uh, Scotty had to dive uh, range pretty far to his left. He was unable to come up with it. And then just his size, I feel like there's been times where he's jumped and he just misses like barely. Off the off his glove, or maybe an inch above his glove, a couple line drives that he's missed. It's been pretty frustrating, um, especially losing to the Marlins two out of three. We just struggle with them. But um, Scotty hitting lower in the lineup. I don't know if that means anything. I do think that's just where he's got to be. You know, there's just too much um, too much power and uh, too many good hitters at the top of the lineup for him to squeeze in there. Um, I do like Roman Quinn uh, there in the nine hole. You got to like what you saw from Adam Hazley too on Sunday as well. Oh, yeah. Four hits. Um, so I think he's going to be a contributor to this team too. And if he keeps hitting like that, you got to start him every day, definitely. But Roman Quinn, as long as he can stay, as long as he can stay healthy, you got to love his speed that he brings. I mean, you know, you look at guys, you're like, what do they bring to the table? Like Roman Quinn, at least he brings something to the table. You know, he's the fastest guy on the team. You can always, you know, throw him out there as a pitch runner as well. So hopefully, we get to see this team play more baseball games. Yeah. Um, I don't want to see the season get shut down. Definitely, especially oh. looking forward to it for so many months. I will say this, though. Um, the three games that we did get to see, it was like deja vu because we I saw the same issue that we talked about last season, and that is bad pitching, bad pitching rotation, and batters leaving guys on base. And it's repeating itself again. Why is that? 
We changed managers. We kind of sort of we tried to upgrade the bullpen, but yet and still we're still seeing the same issues. Batters yep, being yep. left, guys, guys with bases loaded, and yep, yeah, I, I 110 percent agree with you. You know, bullpen issues off the from the start. You know, Friday night, Nola gives up that home run to Jesus Aguilar. We're losing three one. Okay, can we just get a guy in here to settle things down? Personally, I don't know if I would have taken Nola out in that situation because knowing how or first of all. There was guys in that bullpen I never heard of. You know, we, all us as fans still need to learn. We bring in this guy Ramon Rosso, who who spikes it. He he probably threw a pitch, and I've never seen a pitch hit. You know, you had they had that little uh, dirt part in front of home plate that mm-hmm. leads up to the grass. I've never seen a pitcher throw and spike a ball in the grassy part. Like he didn't even get it to the dirt of the towards home plate. Like he literally spiked it in the grass. And, What's and he a, here for? A, a couple wild pitches, and we're losing five one just like that. So, um, I think the on base T, and I agree with you. We have left a ton of runners on base opening weekend. That can be fixed. I hope it will be. This team is too good. There's too many good hitters for that to continue, especially with the new manager, different players in there as well, different lineup. So I'm not too concerned. But yeah, you're right. Sunday we left the bases loaded twice. Um, I think it was in the sixth and seventh inning, which you don't want to see, especially when you're trying to make a comeback, no. which is what we were trying to do. But we did yeah. still score runs. The bullpen, man, is just killing us. And it's not Girardi's fault. Look, I mean, no. David Robertson was supposed to be here. You know, he got Tommy John surgery. And then you look to your GM. Hey, GM, help me out. Matt Clintock, what guys are you bringing in for me? Yeah, okay, you get D.D. Gregorius. You get Zach Wheeler. I need a guy. I need at least a closer out of the pen. We're still stuck over here with Hector Neris. <sighs> And uh, it's just it's pretty frustrating. At least get us a guy that we can go to to get an out. Oh, you know, it's 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 been years now. We're trying all these different names. You know, this guy Reggie McLean comes in, and uh, Cole Irvin is now out there in the bullpen as well. He didn't pitch too well uh, at all. So uh, it's been it was pretty frustrating opening weekend. But again, as a baseball fan, you know, I just I can't be too upset because baseball is baseball for me. Um, and now, you know, missing it even more now that the season yeah. for the Phillies at least has been put on pause. Yeah. But uh, real quick, I, I think we can we can tra- grab the, uh, grab some basketball talk. I'll try to fly through as quick as possible here because I know we're pretty late on time. But mm-hmm. uh, Sixers restart uh, tomorrow against the Pacers, um, and you know, opening weekend or opening night last night in general, really good game. No Lou Williams for the Clippers. No Montrezl Hell for the Clippers as well. And LeBron James, uh, in the closing moments of the game, look, he puts up a floater, um, misses it. Luckily, it bounces right back to him. He puts it up and in. And uh, one key I'll pull out here is Kawhi Leonard passes it's up. It's about the ball damn time. Game. Paul George was able to come up clutch with 1-3 in order to uh, tie the game. And, uh, you know, in the final seconds, I'm sure you guys saw the highlights at least. Uh, mm-hmm. Paul George misses that shot at the very end. Yeah, um, he wanted the foul on LeBron. I don't think it was a foul, but um, definitely playoff atmosphere. I, I hope these two teams match up in the Western Conference Finals. And uh, I hope Lou Williams and Montrezl Howell are healthy because a lot of people uh, don't realize how important those two guys are. I mean, literally, Lou Williams could be win the six man every year in this league. Yeah. And the Montrezl Howell is big time rebounder underneath and center for them. So, Tanner, what do you now, think? Now, uh, this question goes to you, Max, because I know you were you were watching this game. Um, so you see, the Battle of LA uh, happens, but it, it's in Orlando, so it's a l- little bit different. But this, the Clippers. And the Lakers are top teams in the NBA. We, we can all agree, agree. clearly. Definitely. They have the best players in the league. And so we see this battle take place, and what we get out of it is that L.A. only lost by a score to the Lakers, who were at full health. 
I know now they have J.R. Smith instead, but the Clippers, as Max mentioned, were down Lou Williams and Montrez. Yep. What What are your takeaways, Max, from seeing LeBron James and his squad sort of rally and LeBron played fairly more well in the fourth yeah. quarter than he did in the other three quarters? And he had great uh, defense on both um, PG and Kawhi. What are your takeaways from this matchup and what do you see happening in the future between these two teams? I thought it was a great game, you know, just to start out with. I mean, NBA's back. It was great. A lot of energy. Literally both teams wanted this game. You know, it was, mm-hmm. like I said, playoff atmosphere feel to it. Um, one thing Yay! I will say about this is that the Clippers are the best team in the NBA, in my opinion. And here's why. They have guys that all bring a different uh you know, attribute, a different ability to the game, right? We didn't see that last night with Montrezl Harrell in there. This guy is, he has a motor, right? You don't mm-hmm. hear that about, you know, like you you want guys that have a motor in this league. You know, you don't just want shooters. You know, he brings that to the table, yeah, right? You have Paul George on the outside. You have Lou Will. You have Landry Shaman on the outside. You have guys that can knock down threes. This guy is a monster inside. He's a little undersized at the center position, but I'd much rather have him any day over Dwight Howard, over JaVale McGee. I don't consider a lot of people consider Anthony Davis a center. I don't consider him a center. I consider him a stretch four that can basically do anything on the basketball court. I mean, literally, he's a top five player. Um, but from a Lakers standpoint, uh, I think it's LeBron James, the best player in the world. I think it's Anthony Davis, the top five player in the world, and then a bunch of guys who used to be good on the, the Lakers. That's, that's basically how I do it. Yeah, Alex Caruso chips in. Alex Caruso chips in. Uh, <laughs> Kyle Kuzma is okay. Kyle Kuzma is a decent, solid NBA player. Then you got guys like Jared Smith used to be good. Deion Waiters used to be good. Dwight Howard used to be good. JaVale McGee used to be pretty good. Uh, Rajon Ronda, who we haven't seen, used to be pretty good. So uh, LeBron, AD, and a bunch of guys used to be pretty good. And then you want to throw in Kuzma and Caruso. Okay. But when you look at this Clipper team, um, and this is going to lead into my hot take at the end of this. Oh, boy. You have two superstars. And I don't think people understand how great of a player Paul George is. I mean, this guy. 30 points on the night. Yes. This guy is a legit Dog, Tate. I use your word right there. He's dog a on right. Dog. Dog on right. And uh, I think the Clippers are going to win the NBA championship after last night, even though they did lose. But Tanner, to answer your question, what the Clippers showed me last night, losing by two with you know Lou Williams and Montrezl out, two of their mo- more important yeah. players on this team. Um, I think they they're going to be able to hold up in the seven game series um, with the Lakers. No LeBron doubt. plays Definitely. excellent defense last night in a seven game series. You're going to wear down after a while. I mean, with all the miles that are on his legs. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Anthony Davis and LeBron James being the two of the top. Like, if you have LeBron and a top 20 guy in the league, you don't see this kind of talent and this kind of, uh, you know, ability and strength of those Lakers team. But when you put two guys who are literally, literally top five players in the world, two of the top five players in the world, they can single-handedly carry you to a championship. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. I will not be surprised at all if LeBron's in the finals. But yeah. me personally, I'm taking the Clippers. And I think in the East, it's no question Milwaukee Bucks are hands down better than any team in the East. No, I know the Ra- Raptors have been pretty solid, but uh, you know you got to you got to admit, man, like, we got to be looking forward to this finals. I mean, if I we agree. see the Clippers and we see the Bucks clash, Kawhi, Giannis, I mean, PG, Chris Milton, um, you look at those two teams and they're just complete. I just feel like the the like LeBron literally got on the phone and called Rajon. He called Javale. He called Dwight. He's like, you know what, guys, like just come join me. Come join me. We got AD. We got myself. <laughs> And, uh, I want winners. Match of different guys who we've seen have really good success in other jerseys, and now they're all mush- meshed together. 
Um, Danny Green, I forgot. Danny Green, another guy who's had a great success in San Antonio, mm-hmm. great success in Toronto. It's just a bunch of guys who are past their prime but are all together on the team. But, yeah. hey, when you have LeBron James at the helm, you know, any team can do well and win. Yeah, now, Max, I don't think your hot take was uh, as much of a hot take as nah. you thought it would be because I completely agree. I, I do think the Clippers are a better team than the Lakers at full strength. And I believe at full strength, they only lost one game with all the players on the roster all together playing. And also another scary thought to add to the Clippers is that Paul George is healthy. And we haven't seen him like this in a few seasons. Listen, Tanner, you're 100% right. 100%. I mean, he last night, 33 points, but he literally looked like the old Paul George, Mm -hmm. the 360 dunk Paul George. The half court three in your yeah. face, Paul George. Like that's that's what he brought last night, and uh, you know just coming up short. Hey, who knows? I mean, really tough shot he took, but hey, that could have went in. You never know. And the Clippers yeah. could have been walking out there with a W. Yeah, it, it was more of him looking for that foul that really overtook that shot, and LeBron really locked down on defense that play. And there's nothing, there's nothing really you can do. It's it's the best player in the world uh, mm-hmm. on defense against you, and and he took that shot. Uh, crossed his fingers, but unfortunately didn't go in. Yeah, you understand listen, what I'm saying uh, to you? 100% I'm with you on that. Listen, the Clippers win the NBA Finals this year. Definitely. That's just my opinion. AD and LeBron can carry a team to the Finals, and like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers get there. But on paper, with the talent the Clippers have all around, um, I think hands down the Clippers have you know, a talent. They have the coach in place, the veteran coach in Doc Rivers, mm-hmm. um, and they also have a, a, an owner who, who will literally buy any player that you know he wants really i mean he's literally courtside every single game passionate that's the kind of guys you want i know he's a little crazy sometimes but you know it's better than josh harris They're like uh oh, you know give him a little golf clap a little golf clap <laughs> Sixers are doing well Man, that's so, ludicrous. Uh, clippers are going to be the nba champions you heard it here first and i jeez i really god please let this let this go through so i don't look like an idiot in the future <laughs> yeah well like, i think let this happen i think three out of four of us is probably gonna look like idiots because i'm on board with you i agree i think the clippers are gonna go all the way i i just don't see a scenario where the lakers can overcome uh the talent that the clippers have and it's like you said the lakers are basically built of built up of lebron james anthony davis and a bunch of guys who used to be good Okay, yep. so I'm sorry. The Clippers are just, I believe, I believe they got it. I believe they got it. Yeah. And the thing well, with the Bucks is, in my opinion, the thing with the Bucks is, is they just have one main superstar. Don't get me wrong. Chris Middleton is a is a very good player. Um, Eric Bledsoe is an above average player. He's a pretty good player too. Mm-hmm. But they only have one superstar, and that's Giannis Antetokounmpo. Now, Agreed. given nobody has been able to stop Giannis, but one player versus Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, and on top of that, Lou will. Eh, I'll take my chances with the Clippers. Don't uh, don't even entertain it, T. You know that you know the Clippers got that matchup in the bag. Hell yeah. And just just to add on, it, it'll add another chapter to this this storybook of the coronavirus and sports wise because it will be the first time the Clippers win a championship. Unfortunately for their fans, it'll be at a time where the season was kind of cut short. There was a hiatus, and some people are saying this the playoffs and championship won't matter as much. But I uh, I'm looking forward to seeing history be made with the Clippers. They haven't advanced past the second round in quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, they tried, uh, you know, they had the trio of Paul, or they had a trio. Excuse me, they still Steve couldn't Steve do Steve, it. Yeah, like Griffin, DeAndre Jordan couldn't do it. But um, they have every they have it all in place. And and the thing I love about it is uh, they just have 
every position on that team plus a few bench guys, but they just have a cohesive unit of right. five solid players. Mm-hmm. And uh, the cool thing about it is, you know, you ha- they know their roles. You know, the Kawhi and PG, are, are they coexist. You know, it was almost like we saw in Cleveland, LeBron and Kyrie just like, no, it's my ball. No, it's my ball. Like, like it's LeBron's ball. I mean, I, I, think Kyrie's great. <laughs> I know you're great. But, you know, LeBron, just give him the ball, please. Uh, <laughs> uh, but but Kawhi, even though he's probably the second, third best player in the world, depending on KD's health, um, he'll give the ball to Paul George, Paul George. And we saw it last night. We saw him in literally in the final seconds. Good D from LeBron gives it up to Paul George because those guys both have faith in each other to knock down a huge shot when needed. Yeah. And we saw it even before that when the Clippers were down three, uh, without a minute or two left in the game, and Kawhi was like, Paul George, you got the hot hand, you know. I trust yeah. you. Yep. I'll toss it right to you. And what did, what did PG do? Knock down that three to tie it. So um, that's yeah. what you need. You know, uh, to win an NBA championship, you need a coach. You need the team in place as a unit. But you need to have that trust in each other. Yeah. They um, got pieces on the board right now. They just need to execute. And you know that LeBron defense was locked down when Kawhi had to get rid of the ball. You just know how effective. Yeah. We know it's yeah. hard. You got to make the smart pass. And, again, listen. This is the difference between great players and pretty good players. And in my opinion, Russell Westbrook, does he pass that ball? Probably not because nah. he wants he's got the ego and he wants to be the big guy to, to, to the guy to knock down the shot in the big time game. And he'll, he'll probably chuck up a prayer. Yeah, okay, the <laughs> shot didn't go. The, the shot didn't go from PG, but it was the better play and Kawhi knew it. And it was the better look. You know, Kawhi was kind of falling away from the basket at that point. And you gotta remember, these guys are already like 30, 35 feet away from the basket to begin with. So uh to get a to get a pretty good shot, a leaner three right. from pg um for the win it was great i mean i wish he's got these teams play every night i watch every night that's how great uh that they match up with each other yeah. but in, it was in, a great uh great first night back in the nba in closing yeah. um i will say this tanner um when this coronavirus thing is lifted i'm going to slap you i have told <laughs> you time and time again do not send me any videos of Threes. ben simmons shooting a damn three i keep <laughs> telling you about this how many times do i keep telling you unless it's i start coming. seeing it in the game don't send me no more damn pictures of him shooting threes in practice i don't want to see no damn articles i don't want to see it until the games mean something Jesus, it's for crying coming. out loud. It's coming. Oh, that three shot, pisses that me three off. shot is coming. Oh. And I'll tell you what, he'll be one of the best players in this league when that shot comes. You know what? Trust I agree 100% that. with you. I agree 100% with that, Tanner, because it's going to come one day. And to close the show, I'll say, I'll, I'll put a second, uh, I won't even call it a hot take. I'll just call it a prediction. Ben Simmons knocks down the three-point basket on uh, on an opening night for the Sixers against the Pacers. It's funny to me, too. He was already, he was already taking some he missed. Uh, Let's I mean, knock it down, Ben. Let's knock threes down. We're a corner specialist now. It's We're stupid. a corner specialist. Oh, just, just knock down that lefty three. Uh, give, give T more headaches. Yeah, oh, All right, T. Come on, hang in there. Let's shut it down. You're almost closing the show. <laughs> you guys missed any of this painful episode? You can always go to philly-experience.simplecast.com. Available on all major platforms: Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. The whole shebang. Follow us on Instagram. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter. Twitter at the Philly Experience. On Twitter it is at the Philly Exp One. Tanner, I'm serious about that. Don't don't send me no more videos. I, I, I kid you not. I'm gonna snap when I see. Relax. <laughs> I'm just saying. You'll see it all over the world. Oh, uh, ben Simmons knocks down that three again. It's all over. Hi right, everybody. It's an outrage. Stay safe. Go Sixers. Yep. Wear a mask. 
Nice. Please wear a mask. Don't be an idiot. <laughs> we was catching it. I like Aguilar. <laughs> I'm not giving Jerry Jones my money. F*** that guy. I want Mason Roy help. Surprise, motherfucker.